Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, book lovers. My name is Em, and I want to talk about books. And cats. Hey, book lovers, welcome back. This episode is a little late again. I guess I'm just on summer hours, so please just bear with me until the fall. Honestly, I am already really looking forward to fall. I like the summer okay, but it is really hot, and I don't do well with the heat or the humidity. I really like the cooler months, even winter, kind of especially winter. Plus, fall equals Halloween and scary stories, which are my favorite. (laughs) Speaking of scary books, today's book definitely fits in that category. Today, I want to talk about Shadow in the Woods by J.P. Choquette. So I have covered one of her books on a previous episode. The book was called Silence in the Woods. It was episode eight of season two, and that book was part of her Monsters in the Green Mountains series. Today's book is also part of that series, and I am absolutely loving them. I'm a Vermonter, so I really can envision the settings so well, but I think anyone who loves a scary book with strange creatures in the woods will love this series. It's so good. Plus, while these books are united in some ways, the stories are all standalone, so They don't need to be read in any particular order, as far as I can tell, which I really like. (laughs) She also has a new one coming out at the end of the month, July 29th. It's called Stillwater Lake, and it is book five in her Monsters in the Green Mountain series. I'm super excited to read it. I'm going to put a link to her books in the show notes, and if you want to follow her on Instagram, her handle is jpchaquette underscore author. That's J-P-C-H-O-Q-U-E-T-T-E underscore author. Definitely give her a follow and check out her books because they are so good. Okay, so let's talk about today's book, Shadow in the Woods. After a quick introduction to all of the characters, this book gets right into it. The premise is that two psychiatrists are taking some of their clients into the forest for a few days of roughing it to help them confront their fears and limitations. Most of the clients have anxiety. One of them is being treated for anxiety, but also has some pretty serious anger issues. His doctor, Dr. Odell, thinks that it will be fine. Dr. Preston, a.k.a. Addie, is not so sure. Now, Addie is our main narrator. She has only brought one of her clients— a super anxious woman named Maria. She's excited to try this new approach with her and believes that the time in nature will greatly benefit Maria. Addie also has a crush on her colleague and is looking forward to spending more time with him and watching him work. Dr. David O'Dell has brought three clients with him. There's Clark, the angry alcoholic, Gabe, a shy, anxious young artist, 
and Alaska, who went to Dr. Odell originally to deal with the death of her mother and then developed anxiety to keep going to see him. She is convinced that they are meant for each other. She's just waiting for him to realize it. So they begin what should be a moderately difficult hike on a sunny weekend. Most of them are not in great shape, and things are progressing slower than Dr. Odell had planned. And then the sky gets dark. Rain is coming. And his plans go completely out the window. Now, Dr. Odell knows that there's a cave nearby, and he sends Alaska to find it. She claimed to have good navigation skills, and he has no reason to not believe her. She doesn't return. And then the rain begins. And this is a pouring, drenching rain. Everyone is looking for both signs of where Alaska could have gone and also the shelter of this cave. Now, if you listen to the other episode, you will recognize this cave. And when the realization hit me, I felt it in my guts. And I knew it was coming, sort of. It's definitely not the same as the first book. There are just some definite similarities. And the cave is prominent in both. (laughs) So good. Anyway, I don't want to ruin anything, so I'm just going to say that I highly recommend all of the Monsters in the Green Mountains series by J.P. Chalquette. They are fantastic. Check out the link in the bio for all of her books, and keep an eye out for the one that she has coming soon. I personally can't wait. So, my cats are being super boring right now. They're just lazy, and honestly, I don't blame them. It's really hot out, and even though they live in the lap of luxury in front of our air conditioners, it still gets hot. They've got fur, you know? (laughs) I also think they're just bored. They're used to having a lot more furry friends, and things have been pretty quiet and uneventful since we lost some of our furry friends. Hopefully that'll change soon. Just saying. (laughs) So I guess for cats this week, I just want to talk about this picture that Andy sent me. I don't know if any of you have seen it. It is a picture of a hairless cat that has some sort of genetic thing that makes it super muscular. It is essentially a muscle cat in a muscle tank top, and being a weightlifter, a Jimbro cat just makes me cackle. (laughs) Anyone else have a difficult laugh? Because I definitely do. At least when I find things like super, super funny, my laugh goes... Kind of crazy. The kids actually found that it is pretty similar to the witch's laugh from Minecraft. So if you play Minecraft, that's kind of what it sounds like, only really loud. (laughs) I used to try to hold it in because I was embarrassed, and I ended up embarrassing myself even more because it would inevitably burst through, and then it would sound more like I was kind of like blowing raspberries than laughing. That's weirder. (laughs) I should have just let it out, but... I was always being told that I was too much, too loud, and then when I got quiet, I was too shy. I really just couldn't find a balance. (laughs) Probably because I can only be who I am. And it's okay to have a loud, difficult laugh. I wish someone had told me sooner. (laughs) Now I just cackle and laugh loud because, honestly, it only comes out when I find things truly, truly funny. So while it is a difficult laugh, it's also a compliment. Anyway, this week I have several quotes for you. We're back to multiple quotes. (laughs) 
All of these are uncredited. They came up on my phone because I use a motivational quote app, which may sound kind of lame, but it has been so super helpful to my life that I don't even care. Here are three that popped up recently that I find useful. (laughs) Number one, does my sparkle hurt your eyes? Wear sunglasses. All I can say is yes to that one. (laughs) Number two, set up checkpoints during the week. Evaluate your progress and determine if any adjustments are necessary. Honestly, this one is just really good advice, and it's something that I try to do every week because plans tend to get off track, and it helps to check in to stay consistent on working towards your goals. And then finally, number three, what you do tells me everything about you. And that's 100%. 100%. So live your truth, people. <laughs> anyway, now that I have gotten my quote fix for the week, let's take a quick break. And when I come back, I have a new chapter of my weekly writing project, Ocean Eyes. I'll be right back. Welcome back, book lovers. Now it is time for a new chapter of my weekly writing project, Ocean Eyes. Please keep in mind that this comes straight out of my brain and to you with no editing. It is what it is. So please enjoy Chapter 7 of Ocean Eyes. Thump, thump, thump. The steady smack of fists on the weathered punching bags filled the gym with a steady rhythm that lifted Kevo's heart. He had spent so many years growing the business after the dust settled. The peace tree kept the valley low magic, and threats to the inhabitants were minimal. Life had become almost mundane, and Kevo loved it. He missed Harper, of course, but the years had softened his grief. Honestly, he had been over it before they even finished the job. A world with magic had been nothing but trouble for him, and he was happy to be done with it. The gym provided tangible work daily progress. It tethered him to reality, and he threw himself into his growing business. He was older now, and the gym had regular members that kept him living comfortably in the studio he'd built on the second floor. He watched a pair of young men circling each other. Kevo started teaching the inhabitants of the valley martial arts soon after the job was completed. No one was sure what was coming next. The role of the peace tree had been unknown at the time, and a cloud of fear hung heavy over the valley for several years. In those dark years, Kevo turned to his community and began to build their strength. Fear brought them to his gym in droves. Most didn't stay long, but some became regulars, and then family. He nodded to Ricky on his way out. The boy had been with him from the start and was now a handsome, muscular young man and Kevo's closest confidant. He trusted Ricky with the gym in his absence, Kevo rarely left the block, but Ricky's presence was always a welcome relief. Today he had a long way to go. Kevo jogged down the street and took a sharp turn toward the river. The road was loose gravel, and as his sneakers slipped over the small stones, Kevo recalled the last time he'd run this road, the squeal of the tires, and the cold certainty of death. He often wondered what would have happened if he hadn't been saved, if things would have been different if his existence mattered at all. He shook his head and increased his speed. He was in no hurry to get where he was going, but he needed his muscles to scream louder than his mind. A moment later, everything was drowned out by a loud droning. The buzzing grew to a deafening volume, 
but then another sound cut through the din. It made his blood run cold. He heard giggling. In a blink, Kevo was whisked off his feet. Small, delicate hands gripped his arms with an iron strength as they shot into the sky. The speed took his breath away. He fought to focus on anything as the world whipped by under him. But his vision slowly darkened, and he fell unconscious. Rhea sat up suddenly, and Morena was on her feet in a moment. The fire was ashes in the hearth, and the room was awash in moonlight. What is it? Morena whispered. Her eyes darted around the cottage, taking in every shadow. Nothing good, Rhea replied, but it's nowhere near here. No need to worry yet. Morena sank back into her chair. I hate it when you do that. Rhea grinned at her cousin. I know, but sometimes it's better not to know. Rhea stirred the ashes and rebuilt the fire. The golden glow cast by the flames showed the creases in her face and the dark circles under her eyes. But dabbling with extended life would do that. It took a lot to maintain, and coming back from the mists would require something even more. What did you have to do, Ree, to come back? Her cousin didn't respond. Her shoulders sagged a little as she added sticks to the fledgling fire. Look, I don't care what you did. I just want to understand. What happened? She couldn't imagine what had driven Rhea to the ancient magic they had worked so hard to banish. They had spent years working their way east. They had done and seen unspeakable things in the name of protection for people who they would never know. It had taken everything they had and essentially destroyed them both. They had agreed it was worth it. Morena secretly had expected to perish long before they reached the coast. She had not expected them to be successful. They parted at the village. By then, Rhea was fed up. It chafed her to have given so much. Their parting had not been amicable. Rhea stormed off one night, mid-argument, and Morena had not seen her again. Rhea was sharing the memories. Morena could feel her presence in her mind. She hated the intrusion, but at least these were shared. It wasn't quite so much of an invasion. I wonder what would have happened if I had chosen differently that day. Rhea was looking at her with large, round eyes. Her face was pale, and she stared at an unseen horror. Marina wished she could enter her cousin's mind and see whatever it was that terrified her. She had never known Rhea to be anything other than a powerful force. She was never weak never demure. Rhea was never scared. Not like this. Trust me, Rhea said in a hard voice. You do not want to see what's in my mind, Mar. Be grateful you can't. Morena nodded hesitantly. I'm sorry, Rhea. I wish there was anything I could do. Rhea sighed and turned back to the fire. She stirred up a swirl of sparks. I know. Maybe someday, secret keeper. Marina frowned. Don't call me that. There are no secrets now. Rhea put an arm around Marina's shoulders. They stood staring into the dancing fire. She gave Marina's shoulder a squeeze and leaned her head against hers. Probably for the best, Mar. Nothing good comes from secrets. 
And that is the end of Chapter 7, Book Lovers. I hope you're still enjoying Ocean Eyes. I will be back next week to talk about a new book and have a new chapter. Make sure to check out the link in the show notes for all of the books in the Monsters in the Green Mountains series, as well as every other book by J.P. Chalquette. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate every single one of you. And until next time, keep reading.